Hey Misfits, welcome back to the Misfits and Mysteries podcast. We're your weekly podcast for all things weird and wacky from Bigfoot and aliens to psychology and history and everything in between. We are your hosts, Emmy and Steve. So Steve, Super Bowl tomorrow. Yeah, I'm excited. Big day. Big game, I think is what we're technically legally supposed to call it, but there's no shot in hell that the NFL is going to discover us, so we're safe. <laughs> <laughs> if no one report us. And they're not an official sponsor. I think that there's no way in hell that Roger Goodell is going to discover misfits and mysteries. <laughs> I don't know. We're pretty big. We're pretty big these days. Just hit a thousand followers on Twitter. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you guys so for the support. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. So what are you doing for the big day tomorrow? So I'm up in Vermont right now. I haven't actually had a chance to go skiing yet because it was snowing all day yesterday and I got up mm-hmm. on Thursday, I want to say, or was it Wednesday? I don't remember at this point, mm-hmm. but we're going to watch it up here. I'm hoping the internet's good enough. I've been assured the internet's going to be good enough to watch the game. I'm going to be really upset if it's not. That'd be devastating. We're actually up here with my sister and brother-in-law and then with my parents my dog obviously and so tomorrow we're just gonna eat food watch football it's gonna be a good time what about you you have any big plans so i'm having my roommate and i are having like two friends over and it's gonna be dip day so everyone is going to make their own dip so we're making what's it called chicken wing dip obviously buffalo chicken dip or chicken wing dip yeah I think everyone kind of calls it something different, but it's like the one that's like typical thing the girl brings to the Super Bowl party. (laughs) Well, it's it's, delicious. It's good. You're glad when she does. Yes, it's delicious. (laughs) It's just a stereotype, which I think is funny. (laughs) Yeah, chicken wing dip. Someone's making artichoke dip. Someone is making a dessert dip. I think Ooh. so. It should be you get any like really seven layer dip in there. No, I'm not a huge seven layer person to be honest. Really, I don't really like greens. I actually had artichoke dip for the first time last year. It's so good. I never eaten an artichoke before artichoke until the Super Bowl of 2020. Oh my god, that's crazy, Steve. So tomorrow marks a year, or actually not technically to the day, but about a year since I first ate an artichoke. Oh, your artichoke anniversary. Mm-hmm. Artichoke anniversary. Exactly. We're also going to do some wings. We have some cocktail weenies. My mom's making homemade pretzels. It's going to be amazing. The one Ooh. thing I miss is we're not going to my brother's house like we did last year because COVID stuff. Yeah. So he has like a 70-inch TV. And when we went uh-huh. last year, the amount of food that was there was unreal. So I'm a little sad I'm missing that, but... It's exciting. It's going to be a good game. Yeah. Well, I just miss, like, I remember when I was a kid, my mom would just make pigs in a blanket. Mm -hmm. And we'd sit there and eat pigs in a blanket and chocolate milk. And I was allowed to, like, stay up later than I was usually allowed to stay up. And it was just, Super Bowl is a good day. Yeah. I don't even really like football, but. Monday should honestly be a national holiday because it's one of the most watched things ever. And if your team's in the Super Bowl, there's no way in hell you're making it to work the next day. Yeah. If the Jets ever win a Super Bowl or even in it, I might not ha- go to work for a week. We might miss a week of recording. 
<laughs> I'll either be too excited or too depressed. <laughs> so you guys have the warning. We might not have a episode that week. <laughs> All right. So Steve, do you have a, a little story you wanted to tell? I do have a little story. It's football related. It's pretty quick. It's sort of up our alley. So unfortunately, there's actually not that many NFL curses um, besides the curse of Bobby Lane, which I did over Thanksgiving, which I guess a lot of you haven't listened to because we foolishly named it a Thanksgiving episode that came out on Thanksgiving. So the very next day it became irrelevant to everyone. But it was a good episode, you it guys. Was. You should listen. It was very loosely related to Thanksgiving, so I highly recommend. But I was doing some research last night, and by that I mean... For some reason, I don't actually follow it, but NFL throwbacks always shows up in my YouTube feed. And then I end up watching like NFL games or clips from them from like the 60s. And I'm like, this is cool, I guess. And then I heard something about the Superdome, which is where the New Orleans Saints play being haunted. So mm. it's not a very long story, but there's not very much to it. So the New Orleans Saints... When they first were created as a franchise, for the first three decades, they stunk. They're a terrible, terrible team. Despite having Archibald Manning, who is the father of Eli and Peyton Manning. So, like, his kids are phenomenal quarterbacks. Only I I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't really think Eli's that great, but it's not the podcast for that. <laughs> but they stunk. And people always joked about them being cursed, like, especially back then. But then, in 1987, when they were doing construction on the Superdome, they unearthed a bunch of bones and gravestones, and it turns out the Superdome was built on top of the old Girard Street Cemetery. Oh, whoa. Was it like a Native American burial ground or just like a Just a cemetery, but it's not like a Native American burial ground. We have to talk about those. That's like the scariest thing to me still. <laughs> My high school was built on a Native American burial ground. We should do an entire episode on this. Yeah. I would be so interested. Okay. So it's just normal burial ground, but it's New Orleans. So you know all the voodoo and stuff. And I just think it's probably disrespectful and not to the dead to build us football arenas on there. You don't want to do that. Yeah. So I couldn't find any stories of people seeing ghosts, but the team has stunk. And the NFL, which I think is Roger Goodell more than anything, I don't think it's a curse, but he likes to screw over the Saints past few years there was a minnesota miracle where they lost in like with one second remaining there was a pass interference call that wasn't um there's a lot of things that just screwed over the saints over the past few years so people really like sort of attribute the curse to this so the biggest example of them trying to break the curse was in 2000 right before a playoff game against the i believe it was st louis rams at that time before they moved to la the Saints actually brought in a voodoo priestess, Ava K. Jones, who had a boa constrictor hanging out around her shoulders, and she led the entire crowd of a midfield in a purification ceremony. What? Yeah, and then the Saints won. With a live crowd there? When I say before the game, I mean like while the crowd's still pouring in, before the game started, they had a voodoo oh. witch doctor. I mean, I totally, maybe not totally, but like, I feel like voodoo witch doctors are real. Oh yeah, voodoo. Uh, anyone who's anyone who's a witch doctor is real. <laughs> I wouldn't ask for medical advice from them, but they're certainly real. I was a witch doctor for Halloween. Ooh, 
Do you still have that costume too? I mean, it was kind of one of those like last minute things that just kind of came together. And I just wore like a long black dress and did a temporary tattoo of like an eyeball on my forehead. And like, it actually ended up looking pretty good. I was thinking if you had like the whole headdress and get up, we can somehow incorporate a witch doctor into our Bigfoot CIA assassin movie, which transition, we have brand new merch out on our Public store. (laughs) Check it out. (laughs) You should go check it out. We have some new designs. Go buy them. It's not that expensive. It supports the show. And we have some cool merch. We're going to try and add a few new designs each month. That's another reason to sign up for our newsletter. That's the first place you'll find out about it. People can find that through our website, right, Steve? Yeah, we have it linked on our website. I guess just some announcements. We're going to be joined by the Ladies Fright podcast today, which is exciting. <laughs> I forgot that we didn't say that already. <laughs> yeah, so that's starting really soon. And just a few quick announcements. We also are now on Buy Me a Coffee. If you like the show and want to donate a couple bucks to support us, go to our Buy Me a Coffee page. I believe the link is on our website. We'll put it in the episode notes. If you want to support the show, feel free to give us a couple bucks. Drop us a coffee. Yeah, it's a coffee. Exactly. Not a Starbucks coffee, just any old coffee. (laughs) Yeah, it's, yeah. And then Um, please subscribe to our newsletter on our website, misfitsmysteries.com. Check out our blog. And if you're enjoying the show, as always, we say this at the beginning and the end, tell a friend if you like it word of mouth is the best marketing out there also subscribe on whatever platform you're on it helps with our numbers which then tells the podcasting platforms that people like our show and shows more people and helps us grow which is awesome and finally leave some reviews reviews are great we're going to start at some point whenever we compile enough of them to start reading off the funniest and nicest reviews no negative reviews will be acknowledged (laughs) And you can leave those on Apple Podcasts or our Podchaser page. And finally, I just want to mention that we have Olivia, star of Kid Nation, on the show next. I guess she'll be on next week. We're, we're going to be interviewing her Monday, but it's going to come out next week's episode because we're on the last episode of Kid Nation. So we're going to ask her all of our burning questions about what it's like living in Bonanza City. I have so many questions. I do too. So many questions. So now we're going to get into our interview with Ladies Fright Podcast. So, hey guys, welcome back. We have some very special guests here from the Ladies Fright Podcast. I'm personally very excited to have some ladies on the show because we (laughs) don't have ladies on the show a lot. So welcome, guys. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. February is Women in Horror Month, by the way. So, oh, yeah, we're celebrating. You guys are the first ladies on our show. We've only had men so far. (laughs) To be the first, ready for an estrogen injection. (laughs) (laughs) When you put it that way, usually how we do our show is: uh, this is Ladies Fright. I'm Maggie. I'm Lauren. I'm Jackie. And uh, Ladies Fright is all about all things spooky. We like, and spoopy, we like to uh, <laughs> figure out topics that kind of freak us out. And then through discussion and looking up like the history, the anthropology, the sociology, the psychology of that thing, we try to decipher why it is scary. That's so, pretty cool. 
Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and we just we talk about those really, things really too, funny. only we, we don't dive deep into them like that. So Ladies Fright is from New Jersey. Steve and I are obviously from New York. New so Yorkers. I think, think you guys have prepared some local legends. So do we want to jump in? Sure. sure. Guys want to go first? I, I have one for my least favorite borough of New York, uh, Staten Island. so where we grew up in new jersey there's radio shows clearly and uh there's plj yeah i know plj it's a christian station now now it's a christian station it wasn't when i was growing up and they used it wasn't when i was growing up either i know yeah it has been for a couple of years i'm heartbroken but one of the songs they used to sing was a parody of hollaback girl and it was like few times I've been around that track, but Staten Island still smells like crap. <laughs> Isn't that where they send the garbage? <laughs> People. Yeah. All no, Staten, Island was. Staten Island's literally built on top of a garbage dump. Like the island is literally yeah. a giant trash dump. It is literally mm. trash. It is literally built on top of a dump. Gross. That was really the Staten Island out. listeners we could have had. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't think it can't be insulting if it's a fact. I mean, yeah, they, <laughs> oh, like, but it can. Insulted. You're literally living on top of a dump. Like two ways about it. You're literally on top of a reclaimed garbage dump. Jackie and I have watched enough housewives to know that you can be insulted by facts. Uh, you yeah. can. You can. <laughs> yeah. That is an option. Yeah. It's not a good one, but uh, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, where are your uh, stories from? I don't, I don't want to start, so I just felt like I needed okay. to mention that's the worst <laughs> borough. <laughs> My story uh, is closest, I think, geographically to New York, so I can start. Do you want to start? Yeah. Go for it. Let's talk about the uh, haunted Essex County Mountain Sanatorium. Dun, Ooh. dun, dun. Ooh. This is a story about a tragic domino effect of events as these things always are in 1873 there was a house for wayward girls built on top of orange mountain it's kind of in between verona and mont caldwell Mm -hmm. if you're in the northern new jersey area and it didn't really have the population they couldn't keep it up so it kind of fell into disrepair and it was taken over in 1907 to become a tuberculosis sanatorium for those who were terminally ill. And the fun history about it, uh, which I thought was interesting, is that they mentioned that it didn't get the funding it needed because the federal government took two years to recognize that the tuberculosis pandemic was a nationwide pandemic. Oh, yeah. Which I think is really funny, especially right now. Um, (laughs) We never learned. It's great. I love it. (laughs) No, we'll never learn from our mistakes. So these buildings, you know, they have their tragic history. A lot of people died in the sanatorium, of course. We didn't have a working cure for tuberculosis until 1950s, somewhere in the 1950s. We didn't have the antibiotic necessary. So you would go there to die. And at the bottom, yeah, super fun. They figured, you know, there's fresh air. There, you know, are naturally occurring springs. It's somewhere that maybe you could recuperate, but more likely than not, you were going to die. 
And somewhere going, relaxing to die. Yeah. Well, the a going, really beautiful place to die. The going theory at the time was that fresh air could cure tuber- tuberculosis. So like, yeah. you see that a lot of uh, tuberculosis sanatoriums were out in like the West on the high mountains because they thought that it had something to do with cleaning out the air in your lungs. Right. Yeah. Either that or if the pressure was too much, they'd crack your ribs. Yeah. So That's like fun. most sanatoriums you will see specifically... Yeah, they try to relieve the pressure in your lungs from the consumption. Mm-hmm. So they would crack your ribs so there's extra space for your lungs to expand, thinking that that would help. And it doesn't. You just have tuberculosis and rib fractures. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say is that you will see most sanatoriums for tuberculosis on some hillside, which makes sense why they built it into a random hill. They call it a mountain in New Jersey. It's It's a... It's a hill. Yeah, it's it's the, it's the tallest point in Essex County, so they could call it a mountain. <laughs> so at the bottom of the mountain, so to speak, was the Overbrook Mental Asylum. So you have now these two structures. They are supposed to have very different uses. But there was a lot of confusion between the two. So you'd see sometimes people who they couldn't keep at the Overbrook mental facility, they would just push them up the mountain to the sanatorium. So in the early 1900s, you're now getting a lot of overlap, overcrowding, and a huge mix of people that really shouldn't be cared for together because their needs are very, very different. So, you know, you're seeing that overcrowding. I'm sure that there are plenty of stories of abuse and malpractice because you can't keep it staffed. No one really knows who's in control of it. The The county wants control of it. The Board of Health wants control of it. You have people lobbying against it, people lobbying for it. It was a total clusterfuck from the beginning. This is still a problem in New Jersey about yeah. arguing over property. So, for example, my grandmother's old property had a lake on it and there mm-hmm. was a one-lane bridge. So the town owned the road, the county owned the bridge, she owned the land, but the state of New Jersey owns the water in the lake. So they what can, the fuck? Yeah, yeah, so they can take water out of any huh. lake that they want. The state of New Jersey owns any water that's in, like, they own the water. They don't own the property under the water. That's yours. But they do own the water. <laughs> so, like, that's everyone has their hands different. in the water. In New York, you own the water. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a huge waste of time for everybody. Sounds like a bureaucracy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to say how that's still an issue to to, to this day. None of this is... It's really a modern (laughs) horror story. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So, finally... In the 1950s, when we had the cure for tuberculosis, we were able to get a handle on it. By the mid-1970s, late 1970s, the last patient was released. And again, it sat empty um, until Mm. it was finally demolished between the 1990s and early 2002. They finally raised the entire piece of property. But before then, you would have urban explorers going in and they would see wheelchairs move on their own. There were still specimen jars of lung tissue and brain tissue just hanging out in offices. Um, Ah, gross. Yeah, there's at least one body found there, and it kind of became, uh, you know, a den where people could go and 
you know, live, live there basically. Mm-hmm. The grid squat. Like people, yeah. Junkies. Yeah. Junkies. That's the danger of urban exploring. Yeah. Yeah. The scariest thing you yeah. can find is a, is a human. Worst case scenario, it's another it's human. human. <laughs> Best case scenario, it's a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it was actually also a host to a few white nationalist meetings. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Just a smattering of everything you love. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Lots of good good energy in, in good this energy. place. Good yeah. energy. Yeah. Well, at Very this point, it's, it's like a wildlife reservation. Well, you know who is one of the urban explorers there? Sure. Talking about quote-unquote good energy. Our friends, Zach Baggins. Zach Baggins. Zach Baggins what? Yeah, he went to the. Yeah, that's one. He because I when I was doing the research about Greystone, they kept trying to redirect me to Overbrook oh. Asylum. Yeah, so Overbrook's on the bottom of the hill. I don't know what came of that one. Yeah, but you know, he was at least in the vicinity. <laughs> that is the Essex County Mountain Sanatorium. Yay! Nice. Oh, that is. Coincidentally enough, actually, we can jump a bit because Staten Island's basically New Jersey at this point. Yeah, they're on the <laughs> <laughs> Just admit they're part of our garbage yeah, they're, people. They're, yeah, they're not part of New York. New Wait, York. no. <laughs> we, uh, I claim Staten Island. We go over every once in a while and we put the flag of New Jersey on Staten Island. Yeah. Just like put a little mini one, like at a park somewhere. It's like, boop. <laughs> so, I claim this enough. The story I'm going to tell about this urban legend that turned real life true crime. Coincidentally, there was a tuberculosis hospital right next to an asylum. Oh, my God. Wow. There you go. Let's hear it. Yeah. So I think it's a good time because we're basically in New Jersey and we're talking about tuberculosis and asylums. Mm -hmm. So this is the story of Cropsy, I think they call them. I'm pretty sure you pronounce it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Cropsy? Yeah. One of our starting points, at least for our podcast, is I watched a documentary that was all about different folklore and then how mm-hmm. it came, like, not folklore, urban legends, modern folklore, yeah. and how it came to be. And it was actually the guy who did Cropsy as a original documentary, went back and did another documentary explaining why some of these urban legends came to be and what the actual fear and symbolism behind it is. So that was kind of one of the jokes. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing with this story is that usually the urban legends create from a fear. In this case, there's urban legends created from a fear. And then like decades later in the eighties, someone just pretty much did exactly what the urban legend did. Mm -hmm. So basically Cropsy, as he's called, which terribly funny name. He is your classic (laughs) hand who is mentally insane narrative that, It actually originated in New York, that whole narrative about like the hook hand man. Mm -hmm. And partially that's because, as Emily probably knows, because from upstate, they like to throw prisons and asylums in, quote, rural areas. Mm -hmm. So there's all this fear of like, someone's going to break out of the prison and get you. So Cropsy's Mm -hmm. whole deal is, uh, he follows like the same formula as that, basically. So the idea of Cropsy is he's an insane homicidal man with a hook for a hand who escaped from a mental asylum, and his goal is he hunts down children and drags them back to his lair, which is in the abandoned tunnel system below the crumbling Seaview Hospital in Staten Island, which was a tuberculosis hospital. <laughs> Wasn't there 
also the men i i don't know if you're gonna get into it but yeah, the, that a mental that. asylum there's originally i worked with special needs students and mm-hmm. actually that mental asylum was one of the breakthrough moments to show how we were treating children with disabilities yeah i actually talked about that okay i'll let you talk, I'll let you talk about it then i'm sorry yeah. i didn't mean to jump on the <laughs> And basically the whole thing is like parents would tell their kids cropsy stories to get them to behave, not venture off from too far from home and go to bed early. And then siblings, the siblings are assholes, just did to scare their little siblings. <laughs> but unfortunately, in the 1980s, cropsy became real, unfortunately for everyone. And it was in the form of Andre Rand, who was a former janitor of Willowbrook State School in Staten Island, which was by no means a school. It was a institution, a very terrible one. So this Geraldo Rivera in 1972, it took 15 years for this place to shut down after this, which is horrendous. But basically one of the hospital staff workers was just so fed up with the conditions that he slipped him a key and was like, hey, record this stuff and bring it. And there was rampant sexual abuse, physical. Oh, these kids are all like mentally, um, mentally, is it mentally disabled the proper term? Yeah. Yeah, that's the point. Of they said intellectually yeah. disabled, but I feel, feel like that's a little confusing because I had to Google that term. So the article, the newspaper I read referred to them as intellectually disabled. I just don't know the proper term is. They're intellectually disabled. They were also nonverbal. I think that's a very important but part had, to make. I know some had Down syndrome too. Yeah, some had Down syndrome. Some probably had autism because they were very much nonverbal. Uh, autism was mm-hmm. not diagnosed until much later. So they would not have been diagnosed with it, but they were just seen as subhuman. Yeah. Sub- oh, yeah. And Sad. to top yep. that all off with all like unsanitary conditions and overcrowding, the state was running one of the most unethical medical experiments ever. They were just infecting these mentally disabled children with hepatitis for research. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God. And they're like also already living in their own shit. We have to be shown the video or parts of the video of yeah. it, it is horrible to watch. They're being, some of them are literally naked and chained and living in their Aww. own feces. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And what year was this? 70s? Um, 72, but it's been going on for a while. And the God. reason that it took so long for people to find out about it is that this is a state institution. So these are kids whose families abandoned them and the foster system failed them. So there's no one like checking in on them. So they're just locked up in this understaffed, underfunded place. It's understaffed, overcrowded, and they didn't do background checks on any people, which is how this Rand guy, Andre Rand, got a job there. And he didn't actually do any killings until after he left. So Rand went in under the guise that he was a physical therapist, which he certainly was not. The man said he's a physical therapist, and they hired him to be a physical (laughs) therapist. And it's called the Willowbrook School. I don't know if I said that, which is this horrible place. So Rand left his job as a janitor because he eventually became a janitor there in 1966. But he never left the Willowbrook School. He started camping out in an abandoned part of the school by a playground, which is near the hospital. And Rand's reign of terror against children started in 1969 when he was first arrested for attempting to sexually assault a nine-year-old. Uh, he was arrested and put in jail for 16 months. Luckily, it was a failed attempt. And in 1983, he was arrested after kidnapping a ton of children from a YMCA and driving across state lines to Newark, New Jersey. Oh, I mean, wait, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh. 
and then he was arrested in connection to the disappearance of Jennifer Schweiger, who was a 12-year-old girl from Down syndrome. And a month after his arrest for that, they found her body in a shallow grave near his campsite, which is also right next to where Seaview Hospital's tunnels are, which is where Cropsy is said to live. And they have connected him to at least three other disappearances. That they know of. In Staten Island over that decade. So the first was Holly Ann Hughes, who was seven. She disappeared. And also, they never found any of these bodies, by the way. These people just all vanished, which is why it really fueled this urban legend. Because all of a sudden, these kids and people were just vanishing and never to be seen again. So uh, in 1972, Holly Hughes, who was seven, disappeared. Oh, sorry. She disappeared in 1981. She was last spotted with Rand. But they have no evidence that he did anything. They never found her body or anything. And then 11-year-old Tahisi Jackson disappeared in 1983. And finally, Hank Gaffarino, who was a mentally disabled 22-year-old man who was last seen with Rand at a diner in 1984. But they never found those bodies. And luckily, in 2004, Rand was supposed to be released from prison. But new evidence actually was able to link him to first murder. So he's going to be in jail and was denied a release, which is good. Fantastic. He's still alive. I didn't see anything about him being dead, but people have tried to interview him. Apparently he like accepts interviews. And then the second you get there, he just acts crazy and refuses to talk to you. Ugh. He just wants attention. He's not mentally yeah. with it. His mom had severe mental issues. Like, um, I don't remember what she had. She had like developed something later on in life, um, mental illness. So he started mm-hmm. working at this place and it seems like he developed that mental illness. Yeah. So this guy hung out near the tunnel system where Cropsy lived and killed and abducted and killed children. Gross. I, I was going to say, I always make the argument that if you can kill multiple people for any reason, any, you're already mentally ill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you're I don't know what it is, but you got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's got something. Well, Steve- this is kind of random but steve and i were talking before we started recording about how the name rand and randy are just like anyone with that name is psycho (laughs) there are certain names people have certain i don't know i don't know normal randy my boss is named randy he's a very nice man (laughs) there are exceptions to the rule yeah but like i kind of agree with you more often than not they're People named Granny are a little unhinged. Alcoholism. <laughs> there, yeah, but there's like statistics out about serial killers that are like super interesting. Like a lot of them come from Ohio, uh, specifically. There's nothing to do in Ohio. <laughs> and then I think Wayne is a common middle name. Wayne, really? Our listeners whose name is Randy is sitting there like, "What's wrong with me? <laughs> Why, do, Why do they hate me? <laughs> I'm Randy Wayne from Ohio. Oh no." <laughs> <laughs> Ohio also pumps out the most football coaches in America. Mm-hmm. Maybe they make coaches and serial killers. Well, what yeah, a weird combo. I think those are the only mean, two like options: football or killing people. Yeah, there's nothing else going yeah. on in Ohio. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know anything else about Ohio. I mean, you could work at uh, that amusement park. What amusement a, park? Uh, Cedar... Cedar Point? Cedar Point, yeah. 
Oh, I was I was like the other thing I know about Ohio. Or is it just a theme park? No, it's just a theme park. It's oh. like supposed to be the best theme park in the country. Thrown it out there. It's like oh, in Glee I, I've, never, I've never been to Ohio. For the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Is that on Ohio? Isn't it in Cleveland? Yeah, uh, it is. Maybe. I think. Okay. <laughs> so those are your you have four options. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> the NFL Hall of Fame is there too, because all the Ohioans play football or kill people. Oh. Okay. <laughs> or both. Actually, you have to sign like a notice for them. Like you have to pick when you're 18. Set up for the draft, and then you have to pick football or kill. <laughs> <laughs> One or the other. I also like how Ohio State is big in football. I feel like that's another thing I know. Yeah, they're a power five. They're power five. Yeah, yeah. they're really good. That's a power five. Ooh. I once had a boyfriend who was a power five. Ew. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I felt like it was right at the time to say it. Was he? Was his name Randy? It was. I've never dated a Randy. I will say that. But I feel like, oh no, if you get Randy and he's a creep, you gotta be like, oh, Randy gets handy. Ooh. What? Ooh. The only Randy I can think Randy of, Randy with a or kind of, is. NFL team, the Bengals, have a kicker who's really fat named Randy, and people online call him Fat Randy. And he's pretty decent. Oh, and also Randy's uh, from um, American Idol, that judge. Randy Jackson. Oh, yeah, Randy Jackson. Oh, uh, Randy Jackson's cool. Yeah. Not him. He's not included in this. <laughs> he's lost a ton of weight, actually. He looks really good. Good for Randy. You know what? Good job, Randy. <laughs> I know you're listening. <laughs> I haven't thought about Randy Jackson in so long. <laughs> I actually thought about him the other day for whatever reason. I Googled it and I was just shocked to see that he's skinny now. It didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> like, he's so skinny now. It's insane. That's what I expect from my childhood. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Who wants to go next, Tori? <laughs> yeah. Who wants to go next? I can go. All right. I was waiting to see who Lauren jumped at it. Okay. I feel like thematically I should go last because my story I think is the oldest. Uh, maybe, maybe there's no date on my story. So I got my story from Spooky New Jersey, uh, which is a book, and it's retold by S. E. Schlosser. 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 I'm dyslexic, so never trust me to read anything. <laughs> That's why I looked at Jackie. I was like, "That's right. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong." <laughs> So it's retold by Schlosser, and then it's going to be retold by me again. So it's been through some filters. So this is how urban legends happen. This is. <laughs> um, so Bailey Hill and Evans grew up in Andover, New Jersey, and they were known as rambunctious kids. So rambunctious, like they used to throw axes as children, and actually Hill actually got one of his fingers like cut off oh. throwing an axe. So like, like throw them at each other for fun. No, like probably tossing at a tree. I assume it's not at each other. Bounced and nicked him or maybe he grabbed him. Yeah. Yeah. But also keep in mind Andover, New Jersey is cow country. Even now Mm -hmm. it's it's out there. Yeah. Is it like boonies? It's boonies. Uh, As boonies as New Jersey. It's pretty rednecky. So the main boondock area where the Jersey devil lives. No, that's no, South that's Jersey. that's that's not boonies. No, oh no, no, no. no. Uh, <laughs> that's hick country. So well, there are different types of hicks. Yeah. Andover are like hill people, mm-hmm. 
the main drag is six antique stores. Yep. And that's what you okay. get. And, and a cafe. Yeah, they oh, have wow. the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's Isn't there uh that one strip club that's in Andover, right? Oh my gosh. No, it- that's Byram, I think. But no. Is that Andover? That's Andover. The Bear Den. The Bear Den. B A R E. The Bear Den. So they have six shops, one cafe, one strip club. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the options in Andover work at the strip club or an antique shop or kill people. Or you could do both. You could. Uh, you could. You could work at a strip club Moonlight. and an antique shop. We're not judging here on Ladies' Right. Anyway. <laughs> I just feel like there might not be enough jobs if you have two. It's kind of unfair to the rest of the town. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the problem with the whole area. You've really nailed like the socioeconomic feeling of the area. Yeah. Yes. There's up and coming stuff in the nearby towns. I think is also. It's very much a foothold in the old, even though there's mm-hmm. other things around it that's becoming more upcoming. So anyway, Bailey Hill and Evans. Hill lost his finger. <laughs> Bailey was an atheist, Hill was an agnostic, Evans was a skeptic. They loved going to the local bar together, just talk. And one night they were discussing if there was an afterlife. Evans suggested that in order for them to find out, they should promise to each other that whoever died first, if he could, should reveal himself to the others. As fate would have it, Hill dies that night. Saddened by the loss of their friend, it took Bailey and Evans weeks before they would come back to the bar. So at one point, they do come back to the bar. And this is a direct quote from the book. I think it's written beautifully here. Each night, they drank a toast to their dearly departed friend who had not returned from the grave, thus confirming Bailey's atheism and Evans' skepticism. So it's a lack of a ghost story. So they go home. Oh, uh, they're spending time. I, from what the story was saying, yeah, they're they're in the same like tavern, so they go to bed, mm-hmm. and Bailey is woken up by a bright light, and he's like, "Evans, fucking like, stop it, stop!" And he opens his eyes and finds that Hill is standing covered in a bright light. And he looks just as he did in life, but he's a little bit more youthful and seems like he's at peace and very calm. Hmm. And Bailey's can't believe what he's seeing. And he like reaches out and Hill reaches back and touches his shoulder and it burns him a little bit. And he's like, oh, and then he screams and then Hill disappears. And as Bailey's screaming, Evans comes up and he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? He goes, I just saw Hill. I swear to God, I saw him. And they looked where Hill had touched him on his shoulder, and there was a burn mark of a handprint with four fingers. Oh. And it looked like it had been healed over, so it was like an old burn mark, and it didn't hurt. But he kept that burn mark for the rest of his life as a memory of my friend. Oh, Oh, that's crazy. (laughs) You know what that reminds me of is the Supernatural episode where Cass, like, rescues Dean from hell or something and he's got the like handprint on his arm yes I really like this story specifically because it does read very much like a folk tale there's the the gift of threes <laughs> and there's something that's mentioned in the beginning that is later comes back so you have to remember that piece of information and it's kind of like 
it's almost biblical and there was a high emphasis on religion within the story but it was almost biblical of like come touch my touch my wound see if i'm real and leave a, leaving Chris. a mark so good <laughs> I'm, I didn't make up with the Catholics. Does he actually <laughs> touch my wounds? Jesus? Yeah, yeah. he comes back because there was a denier. And he goes, if you if you really want to believe, you know, come touch. Jam your finger through this hole. Yeah, and touch my, touch where they stabbed me in the ribs. And he goes, no, I believe you, Jesus. Yeah. Jesus flexed real hard on this guy. No, Fucking I, don't believe I don't me, touch, touch it. That. Put your finger in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. You get it, Jesus. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, you're real. My wounds, touch Daddy. My touch wounds. my wounds. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's probably really offensive. <laughs> oh, I like that story. That's a good one. I really love the folklorish feel to it. It's really nice. Alright, should I go next? Yeah. Sure, go for it. Yeah. So my story, do you guys know about the lady in white? Uh, we know the yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) i think that there's a lot of lady in whites actually like every Mm -hmm. region kind of has its own little flavor Mm -hmm. but the one from new york state is a feminist icon so (laughs) okay we're all about those in my opinion so i thought it was perfect for this episode so this is right outside of Rochester, New York, at this place called Durand Eastman Park. And allegedly, there's this woman who's very reclusive, and she lives in this kind of beautiful mansion with her daughter. And they have all of this land and fountains, and it's beautiful. The woman is being pursued by a lot of young suitors but the mom wants to keep her isolated on this estate so she never really ends up seeing anyone but one night the daughter sneaks away to meet a boy down by the lake and never comes back so her mom spends literally years looking for her daughter never finds her and ends up dying never knowing where her daughter went but has kind of this vengeful feeling towards young men now mm-hmm. as men a result <laughs> Sorry, <Steve. laughs> it's true fine that's this is why <laughs> like this no is... we're not doing women on the show yeah anymore. right this is why we don't yeah. invite women here i, I don't <laughs> care i mean no i'm you guys are good first <laughs> I'm sorry that there, we didn't find a female alligator trainer who was also a former professional wrestler. Wait, what? We had the like, Gator Crusader on. He was an awesome guy. The Gator Crusader. That's adorable. That's a freaking amazing name. You should check out the episode and also check out yeah, his okay. stuff. He's awesome. We love Michael. Awesome guy. Okay. I'm writing this down right now. Well, Lauren was He's really like, excited yeah. because I told her that you guys got to talk to the director of Velocipast. Oh, yeah. Brendan's here. Oh my god, yeah, he was Brandon great Sierra. too. So, yeah. The Gator Crusader, yeah, yeah, the Gator Crusader is like a nicer, more ethical version of Tiger King. Like he's yeah. awesome. He's okay. Joe Exotic, only knows he's gonna die if like a gator bites him. Yeah, you know, like we'll talk about Brendan Steer at the end. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. okay. right. yes. just let's stay, let's stay on. We, we just love him. So yeah, where was I? So. She hates men, as we all do. Um, 
<laughs> Anyways, so she dies. Uh, mom dies. And so I guess this estate just kind of ends up going into disrepair and years down the road a lot of teenagers kind of use this spot as a little lover's lane and it's like a fun romantic place for them to go drink and make out I guess (laughs) so (laughs) the story goes that a lot of these young couples started seeing a white apparition with two dogs who the forgot to mention but the woman had these two huge dobermans so apparently the woman and her two dogs will rise out of the lake and kind of scare off these lovers what an entrance mm-hmm. yes <laughs> what the lady in the water is based off of that movie lady in white is a movie oh no it's about the lady in the water i'm pretty sure it's based on this could be. I don't know, Could though. Be. I never actually watched it. It came out when I was a kid. Let me just check. Continue your story. <laughs> so just to give you guys one specific example. So there was this one couple who drove up to the estate. They're doing whatever in the car. And I guess the girl ends up knocking over her cup of soda in the guy's car. And he's kind of freaking out and yelling at her and being really mean. So apparently there is a white flash outside of the car and some banging against the door. And so the guy thinking that someone's messing with him steps outside of the car. And when he comes back, he never told anyone what happened, but he was scratched beyond belief and wouldn't speak. So apparently he has been antisocial for the rest of his life and just like kind of ruined him forever. And he hasn't been able to like carry on a normal life since. Oh, so that's the lady in white. And now there is a film came out in 1988 called the lady in white. If anyone wants to check it out. I probably will. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Google's refusing to let me search the words lady in the water. So if someone else wants to check that, there's a movie. I'm pretty sure it's based off this. Like literally, I typed it in and it's not even like spinning like it's searching for it. It just is ignoring me. I was like, no, fuck not you. today, you Steve. <laughs> You're endangering the mission, Steve. Yeah. Lady in the Water is a movie. From it's got 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's never like saw a little bit commercials. So my story today is about Jockey Hollow, which is in Morristown, New Jersey, uh, in Morris mm-hmm. County. My sources were Wikipedia, an article by Keith Seminario from MorristownGreen.com, and RevolutionaryWarNewJersey.com. Nice. You have to read my eventual blog to find out my sources. just plugging that (laughs) for listeners not you guys yeah we'll tweet you our sources too so you you have them if you need them so we're we're taking a little bit of a a history mystery um all right we're going way back to december of 1779 
historically the worst winter in America ever. It was so cold that winter that the Hudson and Raritan rivers froze over and people could, you, like, they froze solid and you could guide, like, horses across the river mm-hmm. to New York from what is now New Jersey City. Uh, it's the only time in recorded history that saltwater harbors and inlets along the northeastern coast froze solid. So, really, 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 really cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The only time the temperature rose above freezing was one day in January. I could not find what day. And then on January 2nd, 3rd, and 4th in 1780, the Continental Army got just totally pounded by a blizzard. And there was already two feet of snow on the ground. Apparently, the, win- the winter weather was so crazy that year that there were 28 separate snowstorms um, and snowdrifts as high as 15 feet were considered normal for that winter. Wow. Yeah. So this was not like Buffalo, New York, right? This was like downstate? uh, Like like, in the middle. In the middle. Central. Oh, oh, sorry. New Jersey. Sorry. I I was thinking New York. No, no. It's okay. Yeah. Morristown is like the southern, one of the southernmost parts of northern New Jersey. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably pretty oh, yeah. close to where I live in New York because we're right by northern New Jersey. Where do you live? I, I'm in Westchester. No. Sorry, not being a creep. Westchester. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you're still a few hours. East. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right by the city, though. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like an hour and a half. My, my, my cousins live in like northern New Jersey as well. Yeah, Morristown has one of the major um, NJ Transit stops, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask all of you guys, have you seen that TV show Turn? No. T-U-R-N. My parents okay. So my parents it's... It. <laughs> okay, so that is sort of the world that we're in, you know, uh, Revolutionary War, George Washington, the whole thing. I actually really liked that show. And before I moved to New Jersey, like in the show, it would be like, okay, here is a scene in Hackettstown. And okay, here's another scene in Morristown. And in, mm-hmm. in your head, if you've never been there, like, oh yeah, that's probably like not that far. No, they are very far apart from each other. <laughs> like at least an hour. By car. Yeah, depend- yeah, yeah by car. So yeah. Yeah, like a four um, minute drive, yeah. Yeah, so I just want to put that out there. So, why is the Continental Army even staying in Jockey Hollow? Well, in this era, the army did not engage in battles during the winter time, so they were all just on break. Um, like <laughs> they went to waiting. Break. Yeah, waiting for the winter to be over. <laughs> so, it was just this like blisteringly cold, ass kicking winter, and the soldiers had to build their own shelters and the fortifications for the winter quarters. They didn't really have a lot of money and the food resources were scarce. And so many soldiers actually resorted to roasting and eating their own shoes. Uh, gross. Ooh. Yummy. In my opinion. Yeah. Not yeah. a lot of nutritional value. Well, there were leather <laughs> shoes back then. Yeah, but like, there's still, like, think about all the stuff that's on the bottom of your shoes. Well, snow at that point. <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to say, it's but also, you and, like, horse, like, they were in, in like, the encampment, so they're, like, the horses have to go somewhere. So, and 
Did they say how many horses there were? Because uh, a lot of them were foot soldiers at Jockey Hollow specifically. There's only only a couple of captains' orders. I didn't find any like listing of yeah. horses, but like just the idea of eating my shoes is really gross to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they ate their own shoes. Um, they also ate any leftover horse food and then like literal birch bark off the trees. Yeah. It was hard to hunt for small creatures in, you know, yeah. 15 feet of snow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, things are uh, not going well. Deer can't escape though. No, but you still have to have, like, tools that are accurate enough to kill the deer. That's yeah, right. and they might have been trying knowledge. to save some the ammo not, yeah. and stuff for yeah. actual battles. Why they didn't eat the horses? Well, I was going to say, I don't know if you've ever seen and or listened to the Hamilton soundtrack. There's that, I can't remember which song it is, but Hamilton becomes Washington's, one of his assistants, and he takes over uh, his correspondence. And in the song, it says, um, Congress says, George attacked the British forces. And then Hamilton writes, we have resorted to eating our horses. Like, right. it just make, made me yeah. think a little differently about that. Like, yeah. And yeah. most people think of the winter in Valley Forge as, like, the worst time ever for the Continental Army. But some of the articles I read said that was really just where the Continental Army, like, got it together and, like, became, yeah. like, a real, like, fighting force. But this was, like, actual, the wor- actually the worst winter yeah. ever. Um, so another... Yeah, I'm sorry. Do you talk about the structures of the huts or no? I, yes, I okay. will get to that. I'm, I'm setting the scene. No, it's okay. I just wanted to know. <laughs> yeah. A few sources that I read mentioned that an officer actually killed and ate a favorite little dog out of desperation. Which is really sad. Really sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many soldiers begin to die from starvation, exposure to the elements, and an epidemic of smallpox pox that broke out in the camp. Um, many soldiers also deserted rather than endure these conditions. And then just when you think the worst winter ever is over, finally, they got 10 more inches of snow on April Fool's Day, and it just kept snowing on and off until it may. Into May. Oh my God. Yeah. At this point, George Washington was actually prepared to execute eight soldiers for insubordination by hanging until dead. Instead, he only ended up executing one of them, and that to serve as an example and a warning. Washington apparently wasn't an advocate for capital punishment, but he felt he needed to do this in order to quell the ever-increasing talks for mutiny. He also took the helm in inoculating his soldiers against smallpox. Mm-hmm. They would, uh, was it under the fingernails? They would yeah, take oh. it, uh, like some gross. diseased tissue. It was basically uh. live attenuated mm-hmm. uh, inoculation. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. Gross. Yeah. But I'm glad that they did that. <laughs> <laughs> Today, Jockey Hollow is part of the Morristown National Historic Park, which is the first park of its kind. And actually, a few years ago, Maggie and I visited uh, Jockey Hall, and it's it's actually a really nice place. We went in the summertime, so it was like a lot of nice hiking trails, and the weather was really nice. Aside from the like the visitor center and like one paved road, you can pretty ma- much make the leap that it looks the same as it did in 1780. And we walked out to see the like soldiers' huts. There are no like original structures standing, but they did um, recreate them. And one source that I read said that Washington wanted all of the little huts to be like exactly the same. And they were like 
14 by 16 and there was a door and a fireplace and a chimney and then they made windows in the summer like he wanted them all the same and then that if they weren't the same like if they were too big or too small they had to take them all down and start again <laughs> they weren't uh terribly large structures um they were meant for like 12 people i think so like Maggie, do you kind of remember? Yeah. The, so it's like, yeah. it's interesting because you'll walk into these and like, they, they're small. They're, yeah. they're small. And you're like, yeah. 12 men had to fit in here. 12 guys and all their yeah. stuff. And the reason <laughs> Washington specifically, because as Lauren said before, winter, they weren't doing anything. So building these huts was actually an endurance training for these soldiers to make sure they could follow direction as well as like go through brutal labor. Because if it wasn't to the right standards, they knock the whole thing down and say, start again. Yeah. The huts were, they were kind of like, it was sort of a field that then like turned into the woods and the huts were like on the tree line from what I remember. Yeah. And what's also very interesting too is the huts are specifically on top of a hill. And that was done because of what they learned at Valley Forge. So Valley Forge, they put the huts at the bottom of the hill and would go use the restroom and all that stuff on the top of the hill. And when it rained or snowed, all that dysentery and all that gross stuff would come into their drinking water. Gross. Is that why they say shit rolls downhill? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. So we went to see the little recreation of the structures that the soldiers stayed in. And then we also walked down another path and then off to like the left-hand side, there was like a very large field with small to medium sized field. I guess I would consider a large field to be like where you grow corn or something. Mm-hmm. A moderately sized field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then Mag- I remember Maggie said that that's where all the soldiers would um, assemble. It was really easy for me to imagine all of the Continental soldiers like assembled there and then the officers and the COs like on horseback and like fife and drum playing and mm-hmm. very, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but um, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, so now we're getting to the ghosts. So over the years, many visitors have reported seeing some weird stuff at Jockey Hollow. Um, A common vision is a group of colonial soldiers marching lockstep through the trees. Um, And I actually didn't know what that meant, so I'm going to tell you all now. In the United States, lockstep marching, or simply lockstep, uh, is marching in a very close single file in such a way that the leg of each person in the file moves in the same way and at the same time as a corresponding leg of the person immediately in front of him so that their legs stay very close all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's the definition from Wikipedia. Hmm. If you look up video of a lockstep march, it's all of the soldiers are like marching in unison and very, it's almost like choreography of movements. Mm -hmm. So saw people marching through the trees Another time, there was a group of revolutionary reenactors, and they got permission to stay overnight um, in the huts to kind of see what it would like actually have, yeah, have been like to like stay there. One of the reenactors went to the bathroom, and on their way back, they started to hear uh, fife and drum music coming from like directly next to her, Uh, and then as soon as it started, it stopped and. 
apparently it wasn't part of their reenactment and none of the other actors had brought a fife or a drum with them. Hmm. Uh, right? Other reenactors have seen shadowy outlines of figures darting around the huts and many believe that these spirits are more willing to make themselves known to the reenactors because the spirits sense that the reenactors have a deep respect for the Revolutionary War and the soldiers who fought in it. Mm-hmm. So I, f- I find that quite, quite nice. That's pretty neat. Yeah. There's also a, a woman in white uh, story in Ho- Jockey Hollow. It said she's a translucent figure of a woman dressed in a white colonial era dress carrying a lantern. And she just like wanders the trails. Um, it said she appears more often in the winter months when the park is quieter. Um, I couldn't really find a lot of information about her. I think they don't know who she is because there's also a house on property, which is a different that's a there's ghost stories for that one, too. But yeah. they don't think she was one of the women who lived in that house. Yeah. So there is an- another source says that there's a nearby resident who owned a house that was very close to the edge of the park. And the resident claims that he and several guests at his home have seen a brown dog chasing his cats in his house. And then the dog just vanishes and mm. this resident does not own a dog. <laughs> a lot of dog and this was, this, dog. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, those are the ghosts of Jockey Hollow. Mm-hmm. Fun. Cool. Yeah. I never, I never actually seen like a cool ghost. <laughs> right i'm actually really ghost. disappointed we, yeah we go to jockey hall all the time and like we never see ghost i go anywhere that's supposedly haunted and i've never seen a ghost yeah you need to stop screaming hey ghost ghost please i lo- i just want to <laughs> love you <laughs> have any of you seen a ghost emmy's the only person who i know who's seen who's had ghosts you've seen ghosts I haven't seen a ghost, but I had a ghost encounter. Hmm. What happened? Okay. Well, now Will you, you tell us, us, or yeah. have you already okay. told us? Yeah, yeah, I'll tell. We've already told it on the on the show. It was but... our very first episode, and we prefer people don't listen to that because we like <laughs> our audio quality is terrible. We have no idea what we're doing. So I think if you retell it, then we don't have to direct people there if they ever ask about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so our family friends have this lake house in the Adirondacks in upstate New York. And it's been in their family for generations, but it's basically an old hotel. So back in the 1800s, it was a hotel. So it's four floors. It has almost 100 rooms. Really cool, but really haunted. Like it's been on ghost hunters. It's scary. So... (laughs) Whenever we would go to visit, my sister and I would stay in the same room and they're all kind of, it's been renovated obviously, but they're all kind of modeled to look like they did back then. So it's, you know, tiny creaky beds and old furniture, that kind of stuff. So my sister and I stayed in this little tiny bed together because we were scared. So you know, this is the second night we're there. Nothing happens the first night. The second night, we're all telling ghost stories before bed. And then we go upstairs. And around 3am, she and I both wake up to the sound of the radio, which is in the corner of the room, the radio just static, and it's lit up. 
and the static gets louder and louder and louder and louder and then cuts out. It wasn't a dream because she and I both experienced it. And we were super freaked out. And then in the morning, we go downstairs and talk to the people who own the house. And we're like, yeah, we had this really weird thing happen. Like the radio turned on. And he goes, guys, like, let's go upstairs together and look at this radio together. And I kid you not, it was a fake radio. It was not a real radio. It, there's no way to plug it in. Like, it doesn't turn on. <laughs> it's a ghost. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. Only answer. I have no other explanation for it. I was just, that's I love Adirondack ghosts. I was going to say, that's the most ghost-like experience I've also had, where, like, it could be a ghost or it could be weird wiring. Well, yours is not weird wiring. Mine was, like, could yeah. be weird wiring. But I have not seen an apparition ever. Yeah, that would be, like, really, really cool. Yeah, so cool. I went to a haunted school with my old job, but unfortunately nothing, like, I didn't see anything. All the scary stuff happened when I wasn't in the school. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm glad, but at the same time, it's like, damn, I would have had a really good story if I wasn't telling it secondhand. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My friends. It's it's not even worth it because I don't don't know the details well, so I wasn't there. But because, like, literally everything spooky happened when I left. And then when I came back six hours later or whatever, nothing was spooky. I like how the ghosts were like, fuck you, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't seriously. see us. Not for you. Not for you. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of the trick of ghost stories is even if it's not your own, you say it's your own. You're- yeah. And it's scarier. <laughs> Mine is actually my own. Mine is actually my own, but. I'm actually cool the ghost in the story. Are you? <laughs> 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 I mean, like, this place was creepy. I did talk about this in the first episode, too, but, like, there's this haunted school in Brooklyn. It's not listed anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll just tell one story from it because there's a bunch, but the one story the guy there was telling me about, the uh, head custodial engineer, was that there was this guy they hired as a janitor. First night on the job, he had a night shift in this creepy old school. So this guy goes in, right? No one's around. It's, like, 3 a.m., night shift. And he goes, like, cleans the gym, leaves. Then he hears basketballs bouncing, right? Goes back. There's nothing, right? It's like, that's weird. Don't know what it is. Maybe kids were, like, pulling a prank on me. And then, like, an hour later, this guy hears it again, comes back. All the lights in the gym are on. All the balls are lined up in a line in the middle of the field, in the middle of the thing. And he said this guy didn't say anything. He quit that night, up and left, didn't tell anyone anything, never came back. (laughs) he eventually told the story but like he just quit that night because of the ghost he said he's like i'm out i'm not finishing this shift i'm done oh my god yeah it's so unsettling yeah yeah (laughs) all right well should we wrap up the episode guys sure yeah Yeah. we'll wrap it up thank you guys for coming on um where can people find you plug anything you want Thanks. Uh, you can find us wherever you satisfy that podcast itch. You can also talk to us on our email through ladiesfright at gmail.com. You can interact with us on social media with Instagram and Facebook at ladiesfright or on Twitter at ladiesfrightpod. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, thanks so much, guys. Thank you for thanks having us. Thanks for having us. And we're back. Um, That was a really fun hanging out with the Ladies Fright podcast. You guys should definitely check them out. 
And now I think Steve and I are going to talk about the last episode of Kid Nation. Yeah, but don't fear. Next week, we have a very special surprise for you. We have, as we said at the beginning of the episode, we have Olivia from Kid Nation coming on to answer all of our burning questions about Kid Nation, what it's like to live in Bonanza City, all stuff like that. Yeah. And if you guys have any questions that you want us to ask Olivia, you should definitely tweet them at us and um, we'll try to get them in the episode. So. Okay. Anyways, so do you want to kick it off? Sure. Yeah. So only three days left and it starts off with Mike walking around late at night or early in the morning or something. And he is reflecting about the good times. I, I don't think that there are very many good times at Kid Nation in Bonanza City. Yeah, I know. I was thinking the same thing. And then he stumbles upon the job board on fire. So my immediate thought was, he's an arsonist. <laughs> my immediate thought was, there's no way he was just like out there reflecting and saw this on fire. It was like- Oh yeah, no, no way. The producers set it on fire and they were like, hey, Michael, go outside and. <laughs> oh, 100%. And yeah. So then Michael sees the job board on fire and he's like, oh, no. And starts running around to everyone's cabin and waking them up. It was a very like the British are coming moment. He had a lantern and he was running around to every cabin being like, the board's on fire. We got to get over there. We got to do something. Yeah, and I all the kids. Like, that. It's a good analogy. Yeah. And all the kids got up and they start pouring water on it. And I was like, why? <laughs> three days left. Like, why would you even try to put it out? Like, it's already gone at this point. You guys hate that thing. Yeah. And then. The weird guy shows up and is like, it was burnt on purpose. Like, whoa, no way. Oh, I thought Mike lit it on fire. Oh. I didn't actually think that, but it'd been funny if he did. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be funny. There's no more journals, no more nickels, no more social classes, no more journal. Yeah, so they like throw the journal on the fire and the guy's like, you guys don't have to do chores anymore. Like, you can do whatever you want. And it turns into anarchy. It was a, a riot. I mean, not, like, in a good way. They literally were rioting and, like, looting. They were looting. <laughs> I think Olivia looked like she might have been the ringleader. I might have to ask her about that. that one scene, at least. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to ask her about that. Yeah, it was, like... They were going in and, like, taking all of the candy and just, like, shoveling it into their mouths. And, like, it was just chaos. So Zach and DK are like, this is terrible. No one should be stealing. But my perspective was, like, honestly, who cares? Like, you guys are leaving in three days. Who? It's not real. Like, it's not like you're stealing from a small business. It's like none of this is real. Your fake currency no longer matters, so you should be allowed to take whatever yeah, you want. Like, who cares? Yeah, yeah, at this point, who cares? Did you happen to catch the quote Taylor said? No. She said, I'm stealing. Have a nice day. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> that was so funny. I wish I, could find I want to talk to Taylor. Let's try and find her next. 
yeah. we do get her on, we can't be mean to her. We just got to ask her questions and just have a good time. No. And I, I've said this before. I think Taylor like goes out and gets what she wants. And I respect that. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. So there's one gold star remaining or so we think. Yeah. So kind of weird the way that it was presented. It was like everyone's just standing in the middle of town and the oh, guy's yeah. like, okay, here's the last gold star. And it's like right now in the middle of the episode, like that's it's like weird. more towards the beginning than the middle even. And uh, there's no showdown. Yeah. They just rewarded the gold star right away. And yeah, Zach won. Which is weird. I didn't think he deserved it over Mike. Mike got I know, snubbed. Poor Mike he never superstar. got a gold star. He never got a gold star. Yeah, they snubbed him. Poor thing. I know. That would have been nice to get 20K. Um, yeah. So then Taylor and her gang were bringing all the chickens to live in their dorm. <laughs> yeah. And then there was some little girl drama, which I can't relate to. Yes. So... Emily and I didn't catch the other girl's name. Do you know her name? I always forget it. Yeah. So Emily and this other girl are fighting because I guess the yellow team, the girls want to have their own like yellow team sleepover. And Emily is not invited because she recently got traded. Yeah. And she was traded. And they're like, we're still your best friends, but you can't sleep with us tonight. Which was so weird. Like, I get it, but at the same time, what difference does it make if she's there? It is classic little girl drama. It was, I mean, and she's only like nine years old. This is early for that kind of drama to be starting, but that's just how girls are. Mm -hmm. And so they literally start like a fist fight in the center of town. And they're like pushing each other. And eventually, Migle breaks him up. I know. And then DK is talking about her being so good at comic people. She literally just screamed at them for a while until they come down. Yeah. I didn't really think she had a great solution. She was just like, Emily, you should just kind of get over it and let them have their exclusive yeah. sleepover. Oh, I know. And she like, totally gaslighted Emily. And she was like, I don't know why you're freaking out. Yeah. Also, I figured out how old we were when Kid Nation was made because I finally did the math. I would have been how 10. Old? I don't remember when your birthday is, but I would have been 10. My birthday is. Yeah, you would have also been 10. We'd have been 10 years old. So what was the deal with how they found out that there were three more gold stars? Like the weird guy showed up again, but what was the context of that? I don't recall. It was the challenge. So if they completed the challenge in an hour, then they would get the three gold stars. Yes, which were worth $50,000 each. Yes. And two of them go to people who are, who are leaders or former leaders and or people who have won the star in the past, and one goes to whoever they want. So you can win up to 70 oh, on the show. I didn't catch that. So two of them were supposed to go to people who have gotten them before? Two of them had to go to either people who are on the council or have gotten them in the past. They've shown like leadership or whatever. Okay. Yeah, and that actually makes sense because I was kind of thinking about it. It's not really fair that someone would get 50K now because it's like all of the people who weren't good enough to get a star before, you know? Yeah, I know. Like 20K is, is great, but it's not like a ton, but 50K is like a salary. Yeah, I mean, that's like, it's still in the context of things, like that's 
a year of college, one year of yeah, college. I mean, that's better than nothing. Anyways, so $50,000 on the table and three of them. And the challenge is that after they have just looted the town, they mm-hmm. now have to get the town ready for a big Bonanza City Bonanza. Yeah, the Bonanza City Bonanza. That's to like cook, build picnic tables, and then clean up the trash. So what's fucked up is if they don't do this in one hour, then 150K doesn't go out to these kids and there's no rest of the show. Yeah, I mean, of course. I'm sure even if they didn't make it in time, they would have... They would have like fudged the numbers and found a way. Yeah, I mean, it's not like there's a big timer there. Like, it's just the host being like, you guys did it. Like, he probably didn't even have a timer on. (laughs) Yeah, so they obviously won the thing. So did they make, was it pizzas or what exactly were they making? So they made pasta Pasta. and sauce. Pasta and sauce. So they had to like squish the tomatoes and the pasta was really gross. And then they had to make it piping hot. So it was good that Taylor chose the microwave, they said, because that sped up the process. It was a cool challenge because this is the first challenge where the whole town had to work together and they're not split mm-hmm. up into their little cohorts. They're Districts. all, yeah, they're all working together. They're working towards a common goal. Yeah. So they made the food, they built some picnic tables, and then they had to take care of the trash, which they buried, which I thought was a bad idea that's so bad for the environment especially because these kids are gone for good yeah and, and like never resumed they just buried trash and like no one's gonna dig that trash out like it's yeah. so so bad but anyways they bury their trash and oh my god dk was so dramatic oh my he god like, he was like i have a tendon issue and he was fine the rest of the episodes he didn't and then blaine and greg carried him so they could get the money yeah it was like one second he was bearing trash and then the next second he's just like on the ground and he's like, I have tendonitis. <laughs> like what? Yeah, I know. Not how tendonitis works. Not at all how tendonitis works. So he had to carry um so he carry him. And yeah. then they got the prize, obviously. And then yeah. the big big reveal is that they got to have this bonanza with their family. Yep. So all of their families like ran or their parents on their families yeah their parents ran in they got to all hug each other and i hope that they're not eating the pasta that the kids made i hope not it was really gross i hope that they got them good food it was a real party like they were doing quote bonanza bombs bombs. It it was literally a jaeger bomb with only sugar yeah it was just like a soda jaeger bomb but it was like the dads were like chugging them and it was just like so crazy that would be disgusting all that sugar a sugar bomb can you imagine being a dad and watching that back and being like i can't believe that made it into the fucking show (laughs) yeah i'd be like what the fuck i'm so i'm really disappointed that galen's parents weren't riding in on an elephant (laughs) i wish they did i know so then the episode wraps up. Based, not really wraps up, but then like not a lot happens this episode. It's a lot of nice, like cute stuff. But what happens is they have to now award the 50K in front of the people's parents in the like, town hall. Mm-hmm. 
so Sophia got the 50k star, so she has a total of 70k, which yep. she deserved because she kept everyone fed. Yeah, she she ran the town for like a, mm-hmm. two days, so she deserves it. Yeah, and she also cooked all the time. And Morgan won 50k, so I think she got 70k as well, right? Yeah, I actually really like Morgan. I think she was a good person to get it. Yeah, and then Migle got 50k out of nowhere. Yeah, that one was really like DK was a huge proponent of Migle. I don't really know why, but I feel like maybe she was doing well and we just didn't see a lot of her. Maybe she just wasn't interesting. But we did. She might have been a hard worker, it was boring. And I feel like in the past few episodes, we have been seeing more of her. And I always thought that she was going to get the gold star. So I think mm-hmm. they were trying to like set the scene for her rationale for her getting the 50 tag. Yeah. And then unfortunately, there's no season. It's not going to be another season. It's, it's over forever. Probably had so many lawsuits. Yeah. Probably for the best. Yeah. I did think it's kind of sad because like there's really not a lot of ways for them to stay in touch because. Yeah. I'm, especially back then. Yeah. It's like. Facebook wasn't even really a thing. Yeah, and it certainly wasn't a thing that uh, 10-year-olds were on. So, I mean, I bet they could get in touch, like, now, but it's just crazy. They couldn't really stay in touch. And it's, like, all that work that they put in is sort of for nothing because it never continued. Well, yeah, I mean, they were on the show, I guess, but it was just... Yeah. What a strange, strange show. Yeah, well, I'm glad we did that. Well, So, like I said, next week's Olivia, but... We're going to have to figure out what the hell we're going to talk about uh, in place of Kid Nation. But so maybe send us some ideas. Yeah, we'll figure it out. It doesn't have to be a TV series. We might do a movie, might just have an additional topic. We have not thought this through yet, but we'll have something in place for you guys. Literally have not thought about it once. So, (laughs) yeah, I know this hasn't been something I've even given a second of thought to. All right. So. Thanks for joining us for Kid Nation. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was I liked it a lot more as it went on. Surprisingly, I'm gonna yeah, miss it. it. Not gonna it got lie. a little dry in the middle, but mm-hmm. but fun. they found ways to make things hectic, which I loved. So yeah, I think with that, we're gonna wrap up the episode. Thank yes, you guys yeah. for listening. Go check out Ladies Fright Podcast. They're a great show. We just released our newsletter last Friday. Next one will be the first Friday of March. So. Go sign up on our website and read our blogs on our website, misfitsandmysteries.com. You don't want to miss a thing. Like I said Mm -hmm. before, we have new merch out. If you want to support the show, feel free to donate to us on Buy Me a Coffee, which you can find on our website, and it'll be in the show notes. Also, we have new merch on our website. It will also be in the show show notes. Please buy some merch if you want to support us. And tell them where we can find us on social. So you guys can find us at podcast underscore misfits on Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so check it, check us out. Um, as always, uh, stay spooky. Stay spooky, guys. Bye. Bye. Yeah.